I think the mission will be quite different. We don't have a profit motive that drives a lot of organizations. It's important for there to be a place in the industry to kind of share information. We need to do a better job of educating the industry. Having partnered with health IT companies for 25 years, I've had the privilege of working with outstanding journalists in this dynamic industry. One of those people is Fred Bazzoli, who has written for a variety of publications, from modern healthcare and medtech publishing to health data management. Unfortunately, in February 2020, health data management publisher dropped that property, so I wasn't working with him so much. Then recently, as I was scrolling through LinkedIn, I was pleased to see a post by Fred about his new role as Chief Content Officer and Editor-in-Chief at the new and improved health data management called HDM Group. I'm really eager to learn more about Fred's new venture and his plans in the publishing world again, so let's get started. Fred Bizzoli, welcome to the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Well, good to be here. On our brief exchange on LinkedIn, you said you're starting health data management or HDM with a strong educational and information delivery mission. So let's unfold that. HDM folded in, in February 2020 with the previous owner, Source Media, which rebranded itself as Arizant. And so, you know, I got into some freelancing and, and thought I was just going to kind of traipse into semi-retirement or something like that. And then I was contacted by uh, Mitchell Josephson, who used to be with Class, and he said he was interested in purchasing the assets of HDM. And I thought, well, this this ought to be kind of like a Don Quixote chasing a windmill. This will never happen. But we kept talking and we just really uh, hit it off. And I thought, well, I could play along like with this. It sounds very interesting. So we did acquire the assets with a major investor who is also a not-for-profit, Health Sciences South Carolina. So between you know Mitchell and, and, and Rich West, who's kind of the publisher, we just had a... Uh, meeting of the minds. We really were believed, you know, what we wanted to do as an organization. Health Sciences South Carolina kind of inspired us to go not-for-profit, really honed in on the need to educate the industry and do a better job of sharing essential information to help it cope with stressors coming down the pike in, in terms of healthcare. How do you think that's going to differ from other healthcare, health IT-related publications now? Is it the mission's different and the outcome will be different? I think the mission will be quite different. You know, we, we don't have a profit motive that drives a lot of organizations. We feel like it's important for there to be a place in the industry to kind of share information. We need to do a better job of educating the industry. You know, and I, I felt with HDM, we were very news driven. A lot of this stuff had a very short life cycle. Our, our major story one day would be gone the next day. I wasn't sure that was really servicing the industry that well. So we're kind of refocusing our, our written coverage on analysis, doing a thorough job of investigating issues. You know, I think there's a real need to share information better across different silos within the industry. And we also want to be looking ahead. We kind of call it anticipatory knowledge that healthcare organizations would need. One thing we coalesced around is uh, there's a Wayne Gretzky uh, analogy that he says, I, I'm successful because I don't skate to where the puck is. I skate to where it's going to be. And we think that's something that we need to be able to provide within healthcare, knowledge about where the industry is going to be in five, 10 years. That's going to equip leaders to do the right thing. I feel like a lot of the publications in the healthcare and health IT space have gone by the wayside. 
as well. A lot of them are going paid only. But for companies to be able to write about, get earned media in any publication, and I, I am getting a little tactical, they can't write about their own company. So they are looking ahead. So you feel as though that's just not happening the way it should happen, or we need more of it, or it's, is it going to be a different format in terms of con- contributions, or is there going to be a staff that's mostly writing this? Yeah, I've got a pretty good bench of freelancers that are going to help me at the outset. Things appear to be growing quickly, so we'll just see how that evolves. There will be a, a news and analysis component, deep dive component, We're looking to build a list of contributors who are well-known in the industry, folks that have written for me in the past who I feel I have a lot to share from that professional inside view. And then we'll be augmenting that with contributed content. The way we worked at HDM in the past was we didn't have paid placement. We asked people to write as subject matter experts with a point of view that would uh, augment the industry. And so that's something that I see continuing. Where do you see some of the big topics that you, you'll start off with? We've kind of focused on initially on the quadruple aim, the components of that that are important, patient experience, physician experience, saving money, efficient care, and quality care. So we think those are going to be important components of where healthcare is going to be going in, in the days and weeks ahead and months and years. One of the first deep dives we'll be doing is on patient experience, patient engagement. Interoperability, I think, will be important. The exchange of information, not only amongst providers, but provider to payer, payer to patient, that all has to be improved for for the healthcare industry as a whole to do a better job. You know, there are so many other hot buttons. We'll probably be doing quite a bit of work on the physician experience, physician burnout, what physicians get out of all the work that they pour into electronic health records. There's a lot of development that needs to go on with electronic health records so that physicians get some benefit out of it. We kind of developed EHRs uh, looking backward. You know, they, they are great for charge capture. They are great for being a, an electronic paper chart. That's not what doctors need because they can't scribble something anymore. It has to be typed in. They they lose patient contact. They have to spend a lot of time post hours in front of a computer screen. That's got to be fun. And there's really no payback for it. You know, the AMA and MGMA have both documented the pernicious effects of EHRs that don't provide anything back to the doctor in terms of efficiency. They are seen as time drains. So I think that's where EHRs are going to have to develop. The user experience has to be better. And there has to be a sense that I am getting something back from all this effort. I'm getting better guidance. I'm getting clinical decision support. I'm getting AI that's suggesting things that preemptively look at my patients and say, check this, check that, be careful, have that person come in. It's out there, but it has to be brought into workflow. And it's got to help the physicians more than we have in the past. You know, healthcare is in a tough position, too, with a lot of regulations and, and things they have to handle from a healthcare side, but then they're dealing with cybersecurity. Uh, will you be handling that part of it or really going to focus on the patient outcome and patient engagement side versus the, the tech side like security? Security is super important. So, you know, it, it's we're, we're not going to become security gurus. We're going to be 
you know, relying on folks to help us cover that. It might be a channel that we, you know, eventually develop. The way ransomware works can kick you completely offline. And as more and more of your data is in electronic health record, if you can't access it, you are substantially crippled and patient care is, is damaged and patient safety is at risk. So, you know, we like to think, oh, security, that's just some techie thing, but it's, it's crucial. Healthcare organizations deal with hundreds, if not thousands of attempts to break into the systems each and every day. So you can't ignore that. Are you following any particular health companies or health IT companies? Anybody impressing you over the last year as you were maybe looking at the field from a broad view? One of the uh, gigs that I had while I was uh, between uh, roles at HDM was I was working with HL7 and, and uh, one of their accelerators, the DaVinci Project. Not so much vendor per se, but I think an exciting example of providers and payers kind of coming together to try to figure out how to use FHIR to better enable data exchange processes. And, you know, the, the, the cool thing about that is some of the bigger organizations and vendors that are, are supporting that, like InterSystems is a big uh, supporter of DaVinci, Humana, uh, United Healthcare. Just exciting to see that kind of intercooperation going on and some of the things they're achieving. You know, vendors are, are extremely important for what they can enable, what they can help achieve. Those are key attributes that healthcare is going to have to have. We can't be adversaries. We are kind of in this together. And vendors play a key role because DaVinci can develop all the fire codes they want, but it has to be inserted in a system by Cerner, by Epic, by Meditech. It's got to be in there for it to be effective and working. Are the HRs going to play nice? I think they just have to. There can't be a Information blocking, that's really important. That, that's part of a regulation now. That's one thing that we're going to be looking at in one of our initial cover stories. Providers are going to request that they exchange data, data more fluidly. And there's got to be better cooperation and better exchange of information between payers and providers. And it's not just the exchange function, but how do I get it into my medical record? from one medical record into another medical record without human intervention. So competitive as vendors are going to be, uh, they're gonna to have to be um, better cooperators because the, the industry, the, the government is just gonna demand it and, and economically it's gonna be vital. Patients are demanding access to their data. In fact, the 21st Century Cures Act is requiring providers to make electronic health information available to patients without delay. How do you see that going so far? There's urgency for, for patients to get access to this. Patients are already beginning to file complaints that they can't get access to their data. Some cases are bubbling up. There's not even an enforcement protocol approach from the regulatory bodies for how that will be done, but it's obviously very crucial that this is gonna to have to happen. Just as HIPAA took a while to, to smooth out all the wrinkles, there'll be a lot of challenges here as well. And then there's big companies like Amazon getting into the game. Do you think they're going to kind of swoop in and, and save the day? Or is this a pie in the sky? Well, big companies have historically tried to get into uh, healthcare thinking it was pretty easy. I, I remember the day that we wrote a story about 
the American Airlines airplane reservation system, Sabre, deciding it was going to get into healthcare. Well, I don't think that worked out too well. It's very challenging. There are a lot of roles that these bigger companies can play in terms of analytics, data sharing, things happening in the cloud, algorithms. There's a lot still to be worked out with a lot of this advanced computing. And the Amazons, the Googles, the Apples are already beginning to play some roles in being able to get data to patients, you know, in the case of Apple, or provide some cloud capabilities. You know, there's space for that. We'll just kind of see if that works out. It's not an easy solution. The pandemic had an impact on nearly every aspect of healthcare. Talk a little bit about how care has improved over the last year and a half. COVID was a horrible thing, but it taught the healthcare industry a lot about flexibility, a lot about providing services virtually. There's still a lot of lessons to be learned with that in terms of integrating silos of information related to telehealth into the electronic health record. How does that fit in workflow? You know, there's certain vendors that have done a lot with that. I did some work with uh, Allscripts and and their capabilities for being able to prescribe telehealth out of the uh, EHR. So, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. If it's a bolt-on system for telehealth, that integration might be more difficult. You know, it's that kind of ease of use, fitting it within workflow that's going to be important, whether it's telehealth, virtual services, remote patient monitoring, uh, artificial intelligence, applying algorithms that support providers in providing better care, doing it within workflow so that it really helps them out versus one more thing they have to do on the side of the desk. I read something and I don't remember where that since we've been opening up a little more, telehealth has dipped, which I guess we expected. It'll find some equilibrium between having to go in all the time for something little and have, and, and allowing a doctor to just do a quick visit to maybe prevent the trouble of going in. Some people, maybe older people, or maybe the weather's bad. So I think now that they're getting paid for it and it's a little more accepted, it's just another a good venue or an approach for healthcare, I agree. For years, adoption was pretty well near zero. I mean, even going into February 2020, adoption was almost at zero. And then it became 12% of encounters. So, you know, is it going to regress? Yes, it's, it's still a new technology, but people experienced it for 12 plus months. I don't have to jump in the car with my sick child. This could be done online. This could be done via video conference that's secure, that's safe, that gets the care accomplished that I don't have to take time off and take my child there. We have a lot to learn. It still has to be more accepted across the society. There's still a premium on, on a face-to-face visit, but at least we're not at 0% anymore. Was there anything else you wanted to tell me about HDM and the projects you're working on? Sure, I would think... One thing that we're looking to do is um, in the Wayne Gretzky world of things, we are looking for organizations that are working on things that anticipate where healthcare is going to be going. I mentioned HL7. Um, We were talking with them about posting some of their information on our site that'll give us important content that we can provide to a broader audience and kind of make the rest of the world realize the important work that's going on within HL7. So that's 
you know, one partnership that we're looking to move along. It's nothing formal at this point, but we're in deep discussions with them. And we're in discussions with several other organizations that we hope to partner with, both to uh, provide a focal point for their content and give them some exposure because, you know, a lot of these organizations are doing important things, but their work is kind of just hidden. You know, HL7, I've kind of said, is like the buried treasure uh, of what they can accomplish. I think you're right. The, what came to mind when you just said that was HL7 is a, a standard and you're personifying it now. You're bringing it out and you're saying, here we are, and this is what we're doing. And, and then maybe the understanding, and as you said, the education will flow from that. I've taken a lot of your time, which I've enjoyed, but I do like to ask one more question of people. And that is, if you weren't in journalism, what else do you think you'd be doing? I was so excited entering semi-retirement because I thought, oh, oh, I can get to all these things that I wanted to do. I, I can go back to community theater. Oh, that's closed. I could go back to singing barbershop. Oh, that's closed too. Eventually, there are a lot of things I'd like to get back to. I, I love photography. I love film photography. Running is a passion of mine. Uh, I'll be running the Boston Marathon in October. Uh, but I'm old. Would love to run in marathons, half marathons in other countries. I ran a Florence Marathon a couple of years ago, and that was just a really, really cool experience. Lots of things that I could tell you I'd be doing, but I'm really excited about what we're doing with HDM at, at this point. You know, that's kind of energized me. It's not what I would have pictured at this age, but I'm, I'm getting younger by the day. At least I tell myself that. Be nice to see the, the marathon back in Boston. People have missed that, but I will let you go and maybe you'll take a run this afternoon, but I really appreciate your time and seeing you again and I'll be contacting you, believe me. Okay, well, I'll, well, <laughs> I'll be looking for those emails to be there. Be well. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Fred Pizzoli for joining us today here on the Look Left at Marketing podcast. To stay up to date on evidence-based healthcare technology news, data, and education, just visit their site, hdmgroup.org. We hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing podcast series if you haven't already. We're on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you might get your podcasts. And of course, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future episodes as well. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.